this really has been one of the key questions that I've asked throughout my life. You know, how did they do that? How did they get there? How did they make good decisions? How did they know which was the best direction to take? Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Imprint. Today is going to be a slightly different type of episode. And I'd love to hear from you if you enjoy getting a little bit more of an insight into my creative journey and really taking a look behind the scenes of what goes into all of the things that I do. A little while ago, I put out some questions on Instagram about the topics you'd like me to cover. And this one was by far one of the most popular. And I have to admit that I really love learning more about other people's creative processes and how they form their days. Because, you know, of course, it's one thing to see the shiny finished product of someone's life, whether that's a book, a shop, a product, a beautifully designed home. But for me, it's just as interesting to know. And I've always had a hugely deeply curiosity, a huge deep curiosity on how to find out, like, how did they get there? How did they do that? But how, that, that kind of those two simple words, but how, has been one of the most consistent questions that I've wanted to know the answer to for as long as I can remember. And if I'm being really honest, I think it's because I've always felt so far removed from the world of creativity. I didn't grow up with creative parents. I didn't grow up in a creative area. My earliest years, in many ways, you know, I was surrounded by people who were just getting through life. And then when I was a teenager, I had quite a suburban upbringing. And it was really, you know, the people around us, you know, it was all about, including my parents, was about, you know, getting a safe and secure, you know, a sort of in, inverted commas, decent job. And, you know, just doing the best that you can with some kind of undertones of accepting your station in life, accepting what has been given to you and this is where you're at and to not question that or to not kind of try and rise out of that station or that place in your life. And of course, you know, there are always exceptions to this, but in general, you know, this was the sort of, you know, everyone was maintaining the status quo. Everyone was maintaining that equilibrium of this is how we do life. And it's really amazing when you start to think about this idea of who you surround yourself with and the impact that they can have on your life. And we can have people who are mentors that are sort of, you know, physically in our lives or people that we look up to or friends who are kind of living their life in a way that we sort of aspire to live our lives. But we can also have people that we look to up to online. And, you know, it's very true. And there's been research to show this, that we are, you know, who we surround ourselves with, the five people that we spend the most amount of time with, you know, that is the kind of result that we're going to get into our lives. So, and I, I do believe that it can be, you know, perhaps the person that you're listening to on a podcast. I mean, I listen to podcasts, you're listening to this one, 
um, you know, depending on how much time you spend with this podcast, you know, somebody can be a mentor to you in that way. And maybe they're just a few steps ahead of you on the journey that you want to take yourself. And it's really important to sort of think about, you know, what type of life you want to have and how you want to shape those days. And you know, what makes you feel good about how you spend your days as well. And I know for me, I have always felt disconnected from being around people who have that kind of, I'm just happy where I am and this is it. And, you know, I don't want any more out of life or I don't want to rock the boat or I don't want to, you know, um, step out of line. And while it can sometimes be challenging to do those things, I know that I've always felt very disconnected with just kind of accepting, oh, well, this is just what life is instead of thinking, well, actually, I want to have a life that I really love and I want to have experiences and be able to go and travel with my family and, you know, do all sorts of things and feel excited when I wake up about the things that I'm going to do in that day rather than just getting through the day. And, um, I I don't know if you know any of you can relate to that, but that's certainly been my experience. And I've always felt a deep yearning to sort of want to have a life that I was felt that I was making a difference in some way. And that's not to say that people who choose to raise a family are not making a difference. I mean, I'm doing that as well, but that I wanted to do something or create something that would literally leave an imprint. I've always had this feeling, and I've shared this story before, but when I went to university. And that was the first time I really started to get a glimpse into this other life and this other world and these other possibilities of what you could do and what you could create. And I remember being just so enamored by the lecturers and the tutors that we had for the different courses and just thinking, you know, like, wow, these people are doing something that I really admire and I really looked up to them. And I wanted more of that in my life. And, um, but then the question came, you know, but how? And as I said, this really has been one of the key questions that I've asked throughout my life. You know, how did they do that? How did they get there? How did they make good decisions? How did they know which was the best direction to take? And that's what I want to sort of share with you today is some of the decisions behind what I do on a daily basis, because I do think, you know, our days make up our lives how we spend our days is really a reflection of how we're spending our lives. And this deep curiosity about understanding, um, you know, why and how, you know, that's basically underscored why I went into, um, why I went into journalism. You know, I had this deep curiosity to learn and understand more about the world that we live in and be able to ask questions of people. It gave me that license to ask questions And then I went on to create my blog, Daily Imprint. And again, it was this opportunity to ask people, leading photographers, leading interior designers, leading stylists, you know, ask them about their creative journey, the big lessons that they've learned and, you know, maybe things that they might do differently. And that really inspired me. And then I then took it to the next level and started to create these books where I got to step into homes all around the world and really understand how people live how people create beautiful homes and, you know, live these lives that are really beautiful and authentic, an example of, you know, the type of life that I want to live. And in many ways, this podcast is another opportunity to ask, you know, how, um, how have you done this and ask people questions 
about how they're navigating the journeys that they're on. So if you're curious to see what it looks like behind the scenes of the life that I've created for myself and my family, then I hope this episode is going to be of value for you. Maybe it will give you some comfort to know that you're not alone chasing a dream while juggling kids and trying to maintain a deep connection with your partner, managing a household, staying connected with your passions, helping your business grow so that it can support your family, you know, getting enough sleep, exercise, eating well, you know, there's a lot that goes on. And it's amazing really how much we all manage to pack into our days. And if I'm being really, really honest, I've, I've actually held off doing this type of episode for a long time, mainly because of my fears. You know, I can be really hard on myself sometimes and, you know, thinking that I'm not doing a good enough job at anything. That's sort of like when my negative self-talk starts to kick in. But I know that that's obviously not helpful or kind to myself and it's not helpful to, to anyone else either. You know, people in my family, extended community and, um, you know, you. I mean, I, you know, for some of you, I'm perhaps a few steps ahead of you on your journey and um, there's definitely lessons that I have learned along the way. So, you know, and I do think that it's, you know, collectively we need to be more honest with each other about, you know, how we are doing and what's happening in our lives. and step beyond the screen and highlight reel of Instagram, because when we do, we can not only help each other feel better, but we can all rise together too. Now, before I get started, I just want you to know that with every day, I aim for improvement, not perfection. I plan my days and weeks to simplify my life, not overcomplicate it or overwhelm myself. And my hope for you in sharing this episode is that it might give you pause to reflect on your rhythms and routines and ask, you know, what is helping you to prioritize what's most important in your life? Or what tools and strategies might help you simplify your days? And one of the benefits of running my own creative business is not only do I get to do what I love every day, but I also have a lot of flexibility too. With four children, and a husband who works in the business with me, this really is, it really is a huge blessing. I mean, just this past week, we had to attend four winter festival events at um, two different schools. And we also attended an unexpected school interview, which was, don't worry, was good news, plus a whole host of other commitments and being able to shuffle our calendar at a moment's notice and, you know, not having to worry about having to ask a boss or an employer for permission to take time off. It really is one of the benefits of running your own business. When I was working in the world of magazines, I really hated asking for time off in any kind of capacity, whether it was to see a class play or if my children were sick, I felt so guilty and that I was really letting the team down. But at the same time, of course, I didn't want to, you know, be there for my children or miss the, you know, miss performances, you know, I wasn't going to give that, those up for anything in the world. And I really felt torn between two things that I really loved and had worked hard to have. You know, I had spent many, many years working on, you know, doing jobs in the world of journalism that I didn't love to kind of finally climb that ladder so I could end up with a job that I did truly love. And I did. I love that job so much. And of course, I love being a mom. And that had been a journey with its own set of challenges and issues. I'd had miscarriages and, you know, there were other things that were going on. And so I guess this is a long way to say that, you know, this is what my life looks like at the moment. 
And, um, you know, as always, just take from it what helped you on your journey and, you know, leave anything else behind. So I'm just going to kind of break it down as sort of in the big major time blocks of, of how I spend my days. And so at the moment, wake up time is about 5.30. And this, you know, is going to give you a bit of an insight into the rhythms of my days. But um, I'm always experimenting to see, you know, how I can improve or what I can improve upon. And up until quite recently, I would set my alarm for about 5.40 every day, every weekday. And then I was doing some research about REM sleep, sorry, REM sleep, um, and, you know, how it's best not to interrupt one of those sleep cycles, which if um, I recall correctly, I think they're about 90 minutes long. And I've focused on getting to bed earlier so that I don't need to wake with an alarm. And generally though, like I always get about eight hours of sleep a night. And um, what I've found really helpful over the years is being really, you know, setting quite clear boundaries with myself about not doing work in the evenings. Because when I do that, I tend to get very stimulated and have a second wind. And then I can quite easily start going to bed at like midnight. And then it just has this whole snowball effect. So I, you know, to have like a good wake up time and a good feeling of when you do wake up, I found it so important to set those boundaries and be really, you know, have very good sleep hygiene, which I'm going to talk about, um, you know, towards the end of this podcast, this episode. Now, my morning routine from the moment I wake, I have a series of habits that roll into one another. And I really do them without thinking because I've been doing them for years now and they really help my day to get off to a good start. So I start with a five minute yoga stretch. It's just a series of like sun salutes that just really help me kind of maintain some flexibility, help me warm up and wake up. And I just, I find them really grounding. And at the moment I've been integrating doing some push-ups into my day. And every day I give myself the challenge to do one extra push-up. So, you know, it's that idea of like those small incremental improvements compounding over time. Now, if I am running a bit late with time, then I might do those in the evening. And I will sometimes do them with my son because it's kind of fun to do these things together. I also will do um, five minutes of journaling. And, um, you know, this sometimes can move to after the kids have gone to school. Again, if I'm sort of tight on time, but I do have this part of my routine. I also do a 10 to 20 minute meditation and a 30 to 40 minute walk again, depending on time. But this kind of basic outline of doing some yoga, doing some, um, you know, so stretches, doing journaling, meditation and a walk, they just really set me up for the day. It all together, you know, it takes just over an hour and, um, but it really helps me feel calm and prepared and ready for the day. And what I found really helpful and I'll sort of share after each sort of little time block, you know, what I found helpful, helpful about this particular um, rhythm is that, you know, creating a habit link chain really helps me stick to my habits without even thinking, you know, it becomes so ingrained that I don't even, I just kind of move through them. I don't even have to think what's next because I've just been doing them for so long and they all help build upon the other. And, um, really just make me feel great. So I, I really love my morning routine. 
At about seven o'clock, we have um, breakfast as a family. We always eat together when we can. So breakfast time and then dinner time. Obviously, the children are at school for lunchtime. And at the moment, I make the breakfast, unload the dishwasher while my husband does um, school lunches. He makes, they all, all have school lunches. Although my eldest son, we ask him to make his lunch because he is, um, he's now 15. And we sort of have a rule that when you go into high school, you make your own lunches. We have porridge every day with chia um, and we add my husband and I add hemp seeds and then we've got another seed mix that we've got to get enough amigas we top it with yogurt and whatever fruit is in season such as pawpaw custard apple mango blueberries there's this delicious pecan spread that we get from the local farmers market and we have oat milk for um, B vitamins because we don't eat a lot of meat. So there are certain B vitamins that are really important for energy levels. And so we have that. And so what I found really helpful about that, this kind of um, type of breakfast and, you know, setting the day off this way is that, you know, I know that intermittent fasting is quite popular at the moment, but for me, having a solid breakfast and adding something like chia it really keeps me going until well into lunchtime. And I find that, you know, it just is very sustaining and I don't get kind of that sort of 10 o'clock hunger pangs or anything like that. And, you know, conversely, if I have anything that's too sweet in the morning, the rest of my day really starts to fall apart. So having complex carbohydrates that release slowly, I found for me is the best fuel. And um, if you struggle with sugar, which I've sort of mentioned, you know, that that's kind of more, one of my weaknesses, then I really recommend this approach. So then I have like my morning reset. Basically, you know, after breakfast, it's all about getting all the children dressed, you know, brushing teeth, hair, making their beds, getting them into the car so we can drive them to the school bus. It's obviously quite a frenetic time. Usually my husband drives them to the school bus and then I tidy the kitchen. And I love this time of the day because it's kind of like the calm after the chaos of getting everyone to school. The house is quiet. I put on some headphones and I listen to a podcast to help me feel kind of basically motivated for the day to come. You know, I'm cleaning the kitchen, sweeping the floors, making my bed, getting dressed, having supplements um, and making a cup of herbal tea. And I'm all set for the day. So what I really find helpful, you know, with this morning um, routine is that, you know, I'm not looking at social media or email until much later in the morning, but listening to podcasts really helps motivate me. And in the mornings, I listen to ones that relate to growing a business, managing a team, you know, making the life that I want actually happen. And um, these podcasts tend to be quite strategic. I listen to different ones, you know, at other times of the day, but um, I find that they really motivate me to hit the ground running and focus on what's most important. And listening to a podcast while cleaning means that I don't begrudge the cleaning at all. I actually just get into a flow state and it's almost meditative. Plus, of course, I've got the added benefit that I have a clean and tidy house before the day starts, which really helps give me mental clarity. Um, and because I really do struggle to work in a messy workspace, you know, to have a clear tidy home just it just makes me feel very grounded then from 9 till 11 I do focus work and basically on a Monday morning I do a download of all the tasks that I need to do for that week and group them into categories I've got a whole system for those of you who are in the styling masterclass make sure you if you haven't already done the mini course about um, making your time count and that's um, 
you know, because I find a lot of people say that they struggle to find the time to get the things done that they want in their lives, then this is a tool that's really helped me so much. So once I've done my download, I prioritize my tasks and put them in my weekly Google calendar. So each day I focus on doing my most important tasks in those first two to three hours. You know, I turn off distractions, I turn off Slack, which we use for work in other ways. And I don't look at my email. Sometimes I even put my phone in another room. And, um, you know, I just, I really focus on getting the most important thing that needs to get done that day in this time frame. And what I found helpful about this is really making sure that I get the most important work done first. And it's not email, it's not meetings. Um, it's actually writing, it's doing design work, you know, styling, it's recording this podcast, you know, the rest of those things, so many things on our to-do list, you know, they're kind of like nice to have done, but ultimately they're not going to, you know, progress any design projects or in my case, you know, help my business grow. So I'm really focused on those most important tasks first thing in the morning. And then comes lunchtime, which is usually about 12 to 12.30. And I try and keep it quite short. I know some people will sort of say, I have to have an hour lunch break. Well, because I'm trying to work during school hours, I do try and keep my lunch break as short as possible because I want to make sure that I'm getting as much work done during school hours. Um, and so to make the most of my time, I often cook something on a Sunday night. So in winter, it will be a soup. Or in summer, it's often roast veggies, which I turn into like a roast veg salad. And I always eat on the kitchen deck. We've got um, a deck that gets beautiful sunlight during the day and get some vitamin D, give my eyes a break from looking at the computer. And even though it's not a long break, I really love it. And, you know, I don't look at my phone. I don't listen to any podcasts. I just, I really have it about, you know, I'm actually really conscious when I eat about eating mindfully. And really focusing on the food that I have in front of me. So I never eat at my desk. Um, I always take that time to go and sit at the table. I mean, if it's freezing and it's raining, I'll re- eat indoors. But I'm really conscious of, you know, focusing on the food that I've got in front of me. If my husband's home at the same time, we'll have a chat. Um, but I never look at anything. You know, I don't read. I don't look at my phone. I don't listen to anything when um, when I'm eating. So, you know, and what I found helpful about batching my food in this way, I guess you could look at it in that sense is that, you know, making sure that I've got healthy food at my fingertips basically means that I'm well fueled and nourished for the afternoons. I rarely get sick and I believe it's because I exercise regularly, I eat well and I get enough sleep and taking a little time on a Sunday afternoon or evening to batch my meals, it really does save me so much time during the week. Otherwise, basically I end up eating something like cheese and Vegemite on toast, which then I have a crash at three o'clock and then I want something sweet and, you know, things can go downhill very quickly. So I'm very conscious about, you know, what I'm eating. And um, this also sends me, saves me a huge amount of time as well. And it, obviously it's a huge money saver. If you are, I went through a stage of getting like green smoothies and, um, you know, they can be really costly once you're, you know, you're doing it every single day. And um, again, like I don't actually think it's the thing that sustains me the most either. Just quickly, if you're new to me in the podcast, I have four books that I've created for you to help break down the biggest lessons I've learned over the past 15 years working in the interiors industry. 
The first, This Is Home, has more than a thousand five-star reviews on Amazon and has almost a perfect score and more than five years since its release continues to be a bestseller for interior and home design on Amazon. I share this because I've put thousands of hours into creating all of my books. I put my heart and soul into each one to help you on your journey to creating a home that's beautiful and authentic and makes you feel good every time you step through the front door. This is Home is part of a trilogy that includes Still, The Slow Home and Style, The Art of Creating a Beautiful Home. So I encourage you to check them out if you haven't already. And Home by the Sea, my fourth book, includes my own home and is all about loving where you live. I hope you find them valuable and they help you on your journey. You can buy them on Amazon or support your local bookseller. Now back to the show. So at about 1230, um, I often post on Instagram. Now, my rhythms here change a little bit depending on what's going on. For a long time, I would post after lunch. But at the moment, sometimes I do this before having dinner or sometimes, which I don't love doing in the evenings. I don't like doing it then because I find it's too easy to get sucked into scrolling. But um, and I've fallen out of a little bit of my rhythm with this. But, you know, sometimes I'm just like I just got to what's the most important thing I've got to do right now? Well, today it's actually recording this podcast. So, I mean, 1230 has passed. I still haven't posted on Instagram because we've got school holidays coming up. And the most important thing for me to do is get a batch of rec uh, episodes recorded because we're going away to Sydney. So, you know, again, it's like really prioritizing what's the most important thing. Is it to post on Instagram or is it to get this podcast done? Well, the podcast has a whole chain of events that comes after I record you know, we send it to the editor, you know, people on my team are helping me with it. So this is the most important thing that I can be doing right now, not posting on Instagram. So, um, but what I do find helpful is that obviously the more content that I can create ahead of time, then I find it easier to share on Instagram. And, you know, I'll have days when I batch videos and content and have a library of images that I can work through. It really helps me move from that draining feeling of like, what am I going to post on Instagram? to having a clear strategy and plan. And it sort of takes out the kind of the drudge or the emotion out of it as well. At about one o'clock, if I have meetings, I'll try and schedule them in the afternoons. And um, the reason I do this is I, I really don't like having morning meetings because that's my most creative time. And I like to focus on work that really requires my freshest energy it is a little bit complicated because someone on my team actually is based in America. So because of that, I have to have a bit of flexibility. But um, generally, though, what I find helpful is planning my calendar as far in advance as possible, really make sure that I'm not reacting to events around me, but really getting the most important work done first. And similarly, you know, while we use Slack and Asana for our work, I'm conscious of not having notifications on my desktop. Often I have my computer on do not disturb so that when I'm working, I'm really focused. And I've actually got both my phone and my laptop on do not disturb at the moment. You know, I just want to focus on what I'm doing right now. Now, in the afternoon, I often have another deep session of work. Sometimes this might be writing outlines for the podcast, writing my weekly newsletter or a notebook post. Other times it's doing planning for my courses or content, or it might be sourcing product for design projects. So. What I find helpful in relation to time is obviously you need to know and understand that it really is your most valuable resource. And it's 
we're all, I know this gets said a lot, but I really, I really want you to kind of think about this, that the people who you admire or you perhaps look up to, they are dealing with the same amount of time that you are. And yet they are, or they've got a system or they've got a rhythm, a routine, a strategy, a process. They've focused on getting the things that, you know, help them move forward on their goals. And so, you know, we're all dealing with the same amount of time. You know, other people don't magically have more time. And sometimes they actually have more, you know, um, pulls on their time as well. You know, like the bigger that you grow, the bigger the team, there's more there is to manage. And, you know, there's a whole heap of other things. So if it's just you, um, you know, there should really be no reason why you, you know, you struggle to manage your time. You're actually at the perfect um, you know, point in your journey to actually make sure that you are making the most of the time. So for me, I know that it's really important for me to um, be very conscious of, you know, how I'm spending my time and not getting frustrated about what I did or didn't get done. And so I will close tabs on, you know, my whatever I'm working on online, on my sort of internet or whatever. Um, I quit out of email and Slack. I put, as I said, put my phone on silent mode or do not disturb. And it really is amazing how much you can get done in two or three hours if you don't have any distractions and you can really get into a sense of flow or deep work. And um, I'm kind of a bit notorious for not answering my phone. Like if my phone rings, I mean, that's why I always have it on silent. But even if I hear it, I won't answer. If I'm working on something, I won't answer it. If I see a message come through um, because I've accidentally not put my phone like not quit out of messages because I can see those on my desktop, I will, I will ignore it because I need to stay focused on the work that needs to get done. So then we kind of come to the sort of the, the end of the day, which is the sort of 5 p.m. time. This is usually the time I finish work. Most days, you know, some days it's about two o'clock. If I have to pick my youngest son up from school, he's in year one and doesn't like to catch the bus a little bit of a pain, a whole other story. Other times I finish at 3 p.m. and maybe pick the big kids up from the school bus in our local little town. And, um, you know, this is another reason I focus on my most important work in the mornings because it's really hard to predict what will happen in the afternoon sometimes, particularly in relation to our children and what's going on. Um, recently, my son has started going to the gym and he's asked, oh, can I go? And, you know, and I want to encourage him because it's, you know, it's a healthy habit that he's got. So, I like to have that flexibility in the afternoon. And, you know, I've really found it helpful that with having four children, you know, like I said, it means that I need to have some level of flexibility in my schedule and I allow for that in the afternoons. And it's another reason why I put my most important tasks in the morning. So from about five till eight, I kind of call this family time. And it's also means this is when a lot of chores get done. This is when I bring in the washing because I basically do a load every day, having six people in our family, prep dinner. Um, if I'm cooking or my husband might be doing that, you know, we sort of tag team on a lot of different chores and tasks. We eat dinner as a family always. Um, you know, we always at the table as well, clean up after dinner, whole washing, you know, and I will sometimes listen to podcasts then as well. And, um, and then by then I'm really ready to get ready for bed. And my husband and I also take turns reading to our youngest son, a book, um, the older kids, they're all, all at the age where they just kind of go off and read on their own. We don't have a television, so we're not watching any television in the evenings. 
Um, sometimes my husband and I might watch something on Netflix, but that is very rare these days. And it would probably be on a Friday or a Saturday night. I don't really, to be honest, I just don't think there's anything that good that is better than getting a good book or going to sleep. Nothing kind of beats that for me. Um, so, so yeah, we don't kind of do any TV or anything like that. And, you know, for, for us as a family, what I found really helpful is that, you know, we really focus on connecting in simple ways that we basically integrate into our lives. You know, these are things like having meals and conversations around the dinner table or playing and singing or dancing to music as we do the dishes after dinner. And I'm sure that we'll look back on these moments and remember that these kind of seemingly insignificant moments were really the most important ones when we fostered connection and a sense of belonging as a family. And then there's the nighttime routine. So we'll in the end stretch here. Um, so from about eight to nine p.m., we have um, this. Is, well, this is kind of mine and my husband's nighttime routine. Well, actually, for everyone, the children go to bed at nine o'clock. We go to bed at nine o'clock. So they, that's it. You know, like we all get a good sleep. Um, so yeah, for me, from about eight p.m., it's time to have a shower. I actually started having showers in the evenings when we had um, when our children were very young like basically babies. I remember it was actually with my son. So I've been doing this for 15 years now um, because I just really struggled time to have the time to do it in the morning, to have a shower. And now it really helps me end the day. It's kind of like that mental signal that like it's time to wind down. And I actually really love getting into bed clean, knowing that I'm clean, you know, that I've had a shower, that my I, I'm a little bit <laughs> funny with some things like this. Like I just, the thought of climbing into bed if I haven't had a shower it just it just doesn't seem right to me and even to get into bed and sort of think like I haven't washed my feet and my feet are touching the sheets like I anyway maybe too much information but I just really like to be clean going into bed and um, when I'm there I write in my journal I read a book and go to bed and <clears throat> just on journaling every night I write a few notes about the day and a note about each child so because basically I I just want to have this record of some positive things that I can remember about the children. And so I write kind of like the initial for each child, which is like C-S-I-M. And then I just write, it's like literally, sometimes it's like three or four words, or it might be just like one sentence. It's, and it's not even like a you know proper sentence. It's just like a, a comment about like maybe one of them was practicing their flute or learning to play the guitar or that, um, <clears throat> you know, they were helping to like today my son has been um gardening and like digging he's done actually an incredible job he's been he dug out all the weeds he's um he's seven as well he's just <laughs> he loves gardening <clears throat> he dug out all the weeds out of this plot that we used to have lavender in he um has dug holes where the new lavender is going to go he's watered them um all ready to sort of plant them so i would definitely write about that in relation to him you know because i just want to remember those moments and, um, you know, it's just, yeah, anyway, it's just a beautiful little record that I've kept. And I also write five things that I'm grateful for of that day. And it has to be something different to what I've written before, which can be really challenging. But it's important that I do this because sometimes I can veer towards thinking about what I didn't do or, you know, feeling like disappointed about the day. So it really helps me to kind of focus on, you know, like what was good about today? because I always have very high expectations. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, and to help me get a good night's rest, I dim the lights while I read and I follow, um, I read about this once years ago, a three, two, one sleep hygiene rhythm, which is basically three hours before sleep, you know, no more food, two hours before sleep, no more work, one hour before sleep, no, no more screens. Um, there's also the idea of like 10 hours before sleep, no more caffeine and, um, zero, I can't remember what the zero one is, but anyway, I only have one coffee a day, which is in the morning and, oh yeah, zero is never hit snooze. I think that's the one, but I, there's certainly one. I I've never been a person, my husband is, he, in the past, used to love hitting snooze. I've never been a snooze. I've never understood why you would hit snooze. It's just, to me, it's like the alarm goes off. It's time to get up. But as I said, um, now I'm trying to kind of wake without an alarm. And also I try to keep the same circadian rhythm on the weekends to avoid sleep lag, which is basically like jet lag. So if you were to kind of wake up at six o'clock during the week, and then on the weekends you think, oh, I'm going to sleep in, you know, maybe I'll wake up at eight. It's actually makes you feel really groggy. And that's why you can feel really groggy in particular on the Monday when it's time to go back to that 6am. It's like your brain is in different sleep zones. So the idea is that it's really healthy to maintain the same wake up and bedtime routine, you know, every day, regardless of whether it's the weekend or not. And I actually quite like it. Like even if I wake up early in the weekends, it's kind of nice to be awake and the kids are asleep and I use that time to then meditate or journal or do things. And yeah, I just, I really enjoy that quiet time. So this is the rhythm that works, um, you know, well for me and my family right now. But, you know, as I'm writing this um, outline, because I sort of had to sort of plot out a little bit of the outline, like what actually do I do every day? And um, I was writing this last night and our eldest son is actually, he was going to a bonfire party last night and needed to be picked up at about nine o'clock. So, you know, and I know, I remember my husband's brother saying that like with his sons, you know, when they start to get older and like those late teens, sometimes it's, you know, there might be something till like one o'clock in the morning. I can't even imagine to start thinking of those things anyway. So I'm going to really embrace the nine o'clock bedtimes while I can. Um, but anyway, I, I guess what I want to share about what I found helpful in general is that, you know, I've never been good at sticking to strict regimes. But daily and weekly rhythms really work well for me and they help me to get into a flow with work, but also with habits that are good for my health, such as getting enough sleep, exercising daily and eating well. So that basically is a snapshot of kind of my, you know, my typical day during the week. I mean, weekends are a little bit different. Um, I don't think I'm going to bore you with that. <laughs> Although, I mean, if you're really interested, let me know. But I do hope you found this episode interesting or insightful. Um, if you have, please let me know. Um, and I'm happy to do more episodes where, like this where I pull back the curtain on what life looks like behind the scenes um, because obviously I realize, you know, it's different for everybody. And um, just send me a DM on Instagram or you can leave a comment in the review section of the podcast. This is episode 129. And um, yeah, I would really love to know what you think. And until then, until next week, I look forward to connecting again with you soon. Have a beautiful week. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. 
If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Improv.